This is From the Ground Up, the story of me starting my reptile business. We gotta stop doing um. This is live. This is live because that ends up in the beginning of each one. Oh, because it's recording. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Let's so. just <laughs> letting each other know that it's live. You can't you just cut well, that at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, but it usually intertwines with what we say, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's welcome <laughs> to number 27 of From the Ground Up podcast, the okay. official intro. Official intro. The first intro. Okay. Number 27 today. Actually did it on time. Back to Tuesdays at 6 o'clock. Oh, what did we do? La- we did last week. It was different. Last week was Thursday, I think. No. I don't know. Maybe. We were, no, it was 5 o'clock. We did last week Tuesday uh, at 5 o'clock. But this week we're back to the normal 6 o'clock. Yeah. We may have to turn this fan off. I keep on. I can kind of hear the noise. I can't hear. I, I think you can hear, just hear the fan normal. I don't hear it in the things. I don't know, man. Whatever. Keep talking. Okay. What are we talking about anyway, today? What are we talking about? We have eggs that are on day 78 for whatever reason. Just so annoying. Everyone else in the world, their eggs are hatching. Everyone's pipping. It's going out and we have nothing. Right. And like I said before, I mean, I've had eggs that the colubrid eggs have been, you know, totally plump all the way through, mm-hmm. like full and still hatched, but I do have one that is like dimpled, and I thought that maybe that one would come out first. Mm-hmm. And I've been checking it the last like four or five days, and nothing. So okay, so when I checked them either last night or this morning, I don't know last night or la- yesterday morning, I don't remember. I was looking at them, and there was some like little dark black, not like grayish black spots on some of them. What does yeah. that mean? On the eggs um honestly it wasn't like it's not like mold but it's been there forever okay <laughs> i, <don't laughs> I didn't notice it till yesterday know. it's like probably like old blood or something who knows i didn't know if it was some of the whatever the the sack or the juices yeah since showing no. through i wasn't sure okay no i don't know why these particular <laughs> eggs look like that but they're not bad okay I know that. Because, I mean, they're still the right. They're still the same color they were originally. Yeah. You know, all that stuff is still I've been, the same. like, so debating just, just opening slit in that Just opening that, it. But I'm not going to. Because, I mean, when you're incubating at only, like, 75, then, I mean, it can take up to 100 days. So really? This, it can this take this up to 100? This isn't super crazy. We're so at 70, 78. 78. Isn't that bad? It just but feels then like again, forever. like, I'm at the point where I'm checking them constantly because I'm like, it's got to be happening soon. Right. Um... And I've, I've noticed a lot on Instagram, YouTube, whatever, people put a little black line on their eggs. Um, yeah. You know, just a short little black line. And I was wondering what that black line means. So a lot of breeders like, well, some breeders like to mark the top of their eggs just in case they roll around in incubation for some reason. But wouldn't you, like, I mean, when you put them... You're not touching them after once once you place them, you know, in that substrate, you're not touching them, so they shouldn't Right, but you still may have to move the box for whatever reason or move or they get knocked over or anything just happens. Just anything. And it's just something something I don't do because and I mean this 
this clutch was all stuck together, which is really cool. So mm-hmm. as long as it stays together and you can close There's whatever you're putting the eggs in, then you're fine. Because, I mean, if one flips upside down, you would know because we have 20 eggs that are right. solidly together. Stuck together. I wouldn't be able to get them apart if I tried without ripping the eggs. Is but. there So if your clutch comes out all stuck together, is there a greater chance for the health? Like, does that... Does that uh, correlate to anything once the babies if are born? stuck together? Mm-hmm. Like, does it mean, like, it's good? Th- oh, yeah. Evan said that there's Evan no said beer. no beer. <laughs> we forgot. True. I have water. Yeah, we forgot to go get it. One with no we beer. forgot to go get it at the grocery store. Um, but, okay, answering question. If the what? eggs come out stuck together, it, does that, like, mean something good for the baby? Like, does it, yeah. Uh, that means that nature probably did its thing and there were probably no slugs that they're all stuck together okay also this sounds crazy but like okay the little hole it comes out of that corn snake is so small the little hole how do they all well they're all lined up in there they're not all coming out so they go one at so a time. it's just she when she drops them they just fall they, on each other she's gonna coil them inside of her body and lay them pretty much in a in that beehive structure okay in so- between so so if they are coiled up when they're laying them, what makes them not like what would make them not stick together? You know, there she has them all round up so that they do kind of form that beehive. What? Uh, it's usually not perfect. So just like anything else in nature, it's not perfect. So she may not coil around the eggs, or she may like uncoil and then drop another one. Yeah, type so, of thing. Okay. Yeah, it's not always perfect. I mean, just like anything else in nature you're going to overcompensate so there's going to be a lot more eggs than they expect obviously to survive in the wild Mm -hmm. just to make sure that you know there's eggs surviving out there so if babies rather they are stuck together it's a greater chance of having no slugs yeah well no that's kind of because if you have a slug it's already a slug at that point it's a slug the whole way through. I mean, oh, it's, it's not, a slug it's, it in the body fertilized. too. It was never okay. Right. Okay, so, so it really doesn't mean anything to have them right, stuck right. Together. But but a slug for whatever reason, just the quality of the skin. Like if you've ever felt a slug, it's a mm-hmm. little, it's more rubbery instead right. of leathery. So right. for whatever reason, that does not stick to the clutch, which is right. probably good because. To have you it have already slug, separated. If you have a slug next to the healthy eggs, it will usually spread mold and all types okay. of bad stuff and make other eggs go bad. So if you do have a slug, if there was ever a slug stuck on there, then you have to take it off and separate it from the egg. I wouldn't even... Some people are like, this may be good. I mean, I would candle it, make sure, so that you don't have an egg that is bad, you know, in with normal mm-hmm. healthy eggs. So it's more likely for slugs to grow mold than healthy eggs. Well, yeah, they're dead, so it's just going to rot, just oh, like normal. Okay. Instead of like, <laughs> is <laughs> do but, okay, do like okay. living people mold no. more than dead people? Okay, or? okay, I wasn't thinking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, someone just asked us a question on YouTube, but it is not in English, and I don't know mm-hmm. what. He's saying, look, compare. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I, I wish there was a way. If anyone's on YouTube and knows how to don't speak. Don't worry about it. So, <laughs> hi, everyone on YouTube, and hey, Evan on Instagram. And if 
you haven't seen us before on Instagram, if you go to our YouTube channel, that's what's actually connected to the microphones if you can't hear anything. Yes. We should <laughs> let people know that. But um, Lily Pad with her first great question of the day. She said, if a snake has mites and it sheds, won't all the mites come off with the shed? Ideally, but then again, you're, you still have a snake with a mite-filled shed next to the shed. So the mites are just going to go onto the snake right after. They're going to go right back on. Right. So they're in, unless you like literally watch the shed come off and it take it out, you, wouldn't be able you still to. wouldn't be able to get them. Yeah, no okay. matter what, you got to keep on going in the process. So of treating if no them. one's ever had mites before, this is how I would do it. And I mean, for different species, you may have different ways to go about it. But what I would do is the first thing I do is take out the snake that has mites, put them in water and I let them soak and, you know, try to submerge as much of their body in water because the mites can't swim. So it kills them. That's kind of you hope if you do it long (laughs) enough, but there still could be eggs on them and stuff like that. Or if their head's above water, you may have mites that travel up to the head of the snake or just really deeply recessed into the scales. So that's just a cautionary, like, first thing you do. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is take the tub or the whole rack, really. At the end of the day, you have to take out all the animals out of the rack. Just because it could have spread. Yeah. But you don't want to do... That after you just touch the one that has mites Because it could already, be on your hands. Right. So you got to be <sighs> cognizant of a bunch of things. You got to be real careful. Right. You got to be like a doctor and wash So up. just like w- washing after, ste- after, after, after every, every step, step, wash your hands. And then and so what do you want to do is take out the substrate, everything. Dump um, it all. Wash, wash the tub and then put it back in the rack and spray that with Prevenamite. Kind of cloud it up a lot. The it's tub. going to be like a spray that leaves kind of a misty cloud behind when you spray it in a like closed location. So I like to spray it and make it until it's basically a cloud of terrible Stop. chemicals <laughs> that you put you, and then just put the rack back in, like put the tub back in the rack. And so those you're chemicals won't the affect the, the snakes and other racks nearby. Like it won't travel in the air and for the most part i'd be doing this either at the same time or it won't really if you do it so it's centralized so you're putting it in the tub closing the tub but there's still air you know it's not like yeah the, yeah it's not like the tub is but but the fact is you're still going to have those those chemicals those particles in the air a little bit but you're, not a much you're going to put okay. them in the tub so you know that's just as bad so okay and so at this time, while you're spraying that stuff, where you're, are all your you're snakes? You're soaking the snakes. You're soaking. Okay, at this Not time. Not together. Everyone's all separate individually. all the time. So and then you put them in. And when you wash that tub the first time, you also want to wash the top of the rack. Oh, okay. Because the mites could have the gone mites there, could go too. In there. You want to really wash every single part of the rack. And then. Um, Okay. Yeah, and, and then do that. How as long do you leave times. that? How long do you leave that spray on there before you put the snakes back Once in? Once you see that that mist is gone, pretty much. Okay, you can. And then it. you can let it air out for a little while. Then put your substrate back down and do it over again. There's also some. You could put oil on the snake. You know, like olive oil, or they sell a specific mite oil type thing. But all it is is 
is like an Light olive oil. oil. Okay. Yeah, because they can't breathe through the oil, so like if you put them. the oil in the snake or on the snake, they'll suffocate or drown. So um, I don't personally do that. Once I do that, um, you know, the cleaning and the preventamite, you know, one or two, even three cycles around mm-hmm. every few days. They're usually gone. So but. you soak when you do that preventamide again. You're soaking them again every three days. You you know you're doing okay. Yeah, you're just repeating the process. But I think the most important part is being cognizant and catching it early so it doesn't spread to everything. Okay, can you like actually see the little mites? Like they're gonna be like the size of a pin. So 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 small. Really small. I mean, after you touch your snake, you may see like little black things crawling up your hand and stuff Ooh, like that so okay that's really kind of the best way to see them sometimes you can see them on the snake obviously depending on what snake it is if you, you have, have a black, black snake, snake it's gonna geez. be really hard but if you are holding them then you're going to be able to see to it on see your it hand crawling. okay and they don't do anything to people <laughs> right no they don't even <laughs> really do anything to reptiles unless it's really really out of hand it has to get to a point where it compromises the snake's immune system and okay but becomes, that's far down the line yeah it becomes like parasitic it would be like how long would it take it for a dog to be killed by, by fleas? fleas i okay. don't know maybe. right like you don't want fleas but they're not the worst in the beginning but you still you, want you don't to, have catch to worry for early. the snake's health but in order for your life to be a hell of a lot easier you want to take care of it as soon as possible but there's no preventive thing you can put on the snakes or in the substrate like for fleas for dogs. There's no like... You can treat with preventamite, but honestly, you want to do that as little as possible. So you got to take it when it so comes. You d- yeah, much. you don't want to use the preventamite till you are seeing the mites. I mean, you can. Some people do it when they get a new snake in. They'll put them through the treatment, do the preventamite, do all that. So... Okay. But, but I mean, if you're but if aren't you already quarant- yes, let's stuff, say aren't so. you already quarantining Quar- quarantining Quarantine. is that a word quarantining a so, new yeah. snake you wouldn't you know hopefully have to go through that process of doing that. Um, Evan said might suck the blood so they can kill a snake. Oh, so they yeah. start sucking the like kind of like fleas. Those fleas. Fleas do that. Well, they bite they and bite. then might. But honestly, in order for a snake to die from mites, though, it would take a long time. Even, yeah. So He said more like ticks than fleas. Okay, so that makes sense. But it's still, you know, even though it would take a long time for it to actually hurt the snake, it's still something you want to take care of in the beginning. It's a series of wounds, you know. Open things you don't want for the snake. Yeah, not really, but like... You know, you don't want foreign things right. biting your snake. but And what, I think we've talked about this before, but quickly, what causes mites? Nothing really causes them. They just occur. They just happen. So yeah. then I feel like why, I feel like some breeders get bad reputations for mites. If it just, ha- like if, you know. Well, you get a bad. Uh, or is it a bad reputation a bad for reputation selling it? You get a bad reputation for selling a okay, snake Okay, that's what mites. it is. Everyone's had mites. Everyone has you know had an experience with mites no matter it just what happens it's but it's really it's really it. just something that happens for everyone so <laughs> I mean, evan brought up the specific person the i was talking is, about i wasn't you gonna know, say you have it. to treat it as it comes and also be cognizant of the snakes that you're selling um in order for a baby to have mites 
that you're selling, you have to have a collection that has mites somewhere. And it's been trans right. Babies just aren't born and get it immediately. It has to be given. Right. From it has to be in the else. environment or else they just don't. I don't know. But more likely. Someone else had it first. With the bad reputation of selling snakes with mites, that's more likely going to be on animals than, I mean, on adults than babies. Correct? Because it's it's more likely. For the most part. But if you have a collection that's kept all in one room, they could transfer from your adults to your babies. Okay. Very easily. Yeah. Okay. It just depends on you. It's just about being being cognizant. Yeah. Cognizant. Just paying attention to the animals and certainly checking your animals down before you sell them so what do you mean so basically just giving a generalized look over your animals before you send them off or before you put them on the table at a show or and then also keep in mind that reptile shows are filled with reptiles from all over the place there's there's fucking three scumbags and there's Mm -hmm. you know maybe 25 good people but those scumbags may bring in mites and then someone holds a snake at scumbag A's on their table and it goes to good guy B and, and gives them mite. and gives them mites. So, uh, you know, it's an open environment. Every, anything could happen when you go to a show. That's why some people treat for mites when they come back from shows or. Okay. Just a preventative thing. Yeah. From after shows. That makes sense. And um, then, I mean, there's nicer shows than others, so. <laughs> so you're less <laughs> likely to get it from others. Right. Um, a little bit different topic, but but that made me think of it. Um, just as far as a snake um, getting sick or anything, do you feel like when selling a snake, you should tell the buyer if you've had to bring the snake to the vet for whatever reason? Do you think you should provide that information? If there's a reason why you had to take the snake to the vet, that early in the game that's not a very good sign but if you're selling an adult oh if you're selling selling an an adult adult, like say like you know how your green tree prolapsed before if you especially that if you sold your you would tell them yeah be like there's an animal that prolapsed before even though that may or may not be information that's pertinent it's still something good to just be a decent person but is that an industry standard thing to share that vet record um, it should be, but I mean, maybe <laughs> it's not. Maybe it is. You know, I mean, who knows? Because the people who had those problems didn't tell. Didn't tell, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you don't know. And then, how do you know that a snake had an RI before or didn't have an RI before? Would you so. would you share that if your snake had an RI and you sold it? Would you share that information yes. with the buyer? Okay, any ailment because there would share. there are snakes that have gotten RIs and then also have gotten them over and over again so it seems like some snakes are more susceptible Mm -hmm. maybe after they got one or you know something like i know um eric from morelia python radio he had a a snake poison ivy and i think she kind of had a tendency to get our eyes i believe okay i'm not 100 percent straight on the story but i believe she had our eyes before and then she also passed away you know okay. i believe it was during like laying eggs or something but you know that animal had a history of our eyes and seemed more susceptible and got our eyes and it, it may be us treating them with antibiotics which is you know not knocking down their immune system mm-hmm. and they get more RIs or could be any number of things. Now, do you think if um, that snake reproduced and you, they sold the babies, would the, 
would you as a breeder feel responsible for saying hey the mother of this got a lot of our eyes like no at that point it's it's not necessary i'm not sure if it's inheritable i don't think it is inheritable okay at least no one's done the research or (laughs) done enough record keeping or it hasn't been you know prevalent to where someone's noticed that but it's not typical that a breeder would share the parents you know sickness history or whatever for a baby that they're selling um no because i don't think that most things aren't don't get passed that way uh, that may not be true but i don't know but just because your snake got an ri i don't know it just doesn't mean just because your mom got pneumonia maybe right right it doesn't mean you're good right so you you would be freaking out for no reason i think I don't know. In my head, it's the more you know is good. Like, the more information you know is helpful. I mean, yeah, it may not be. Uh, what's the word that starts with the H? Yeah, because because the female corn snake that we had prolapsed doesn't mean that all of her babies are going to no, prolapse. That is nothing. No, it's not a connection, yeah. but I don't think it hurts to know it. Uh, sure, I'll <laughs> tell people that, but it doesn't mean anything. Besides them freaking out whenever anything happens, which they would I think automatically is, think. Which I think you're worse off okay. overreacting with snakes than you are okay. just kind of neglecting them to a certain degree, letting them do their thing, not fucking with them as much. But definitely with, if you're selling an adult, an adult <laughs> yeah. who has prolapsed, you would say that. Oh, especially prolapse because you want to make sure. Because the, the person getting adult is like, am I getting something that's going to be viable to breed? So that may affect the its viability of breeding that prolapse. So Is yeah, there any other sickness, past sicknesses that you feel like a breeder should share? Anything, I mean, anything if you're selling an adult, I mean, that would be good to know. Okay. But, or you can be like, oh, she had an RI and she kicked it really quick back and whatever. It's not a problem. But, but just letting you know. Right. Okay. Um, Lilypad said, why aren't snakes that are born with kinks paralyzed? Uh, can um, you, can a snake be paralyzed from a point of their body down? So they're weird. Oh, so why would you do that? Sorry. Oh Laura, my sorry, God. sorry. Sorry. Um, there you go. Oh, wow. That was easy. Um, so snakes that were born with kinks, I mean, they're not paralyzed, just like a person who's born with like spina bifida is not paralyzed, right? Just because you have spinal deformities doesn't mean that you're not. But it makes it harder to do things, right? And it? that's that's evident in some babies with kinks. Okay. But I don't think I don't think I've seen. Can a snake actually are, be paralyzed? Well, they wouldn't come out of the egg if they're fully paralyzed, but. Right. But I've never seen one that was like limp and. For half of their body or anything like that. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine maybe, how that would maybe look. just because that would mess with other functions of the body and it wouldn't pass food or eat right, or something it like that. Right, has to go through its whole body. So I just but think, like ad- humans who are paralyzed from the you know waist down can still pass food. Yeah. So a snake would still be able to pass food. That's assuming also paralyzed humans get a lot more help than paralyzed snakes. <laughs> yes. So I just think maybe there's a whole bunch of issues to where it, it makes it just not right. a viable snake. But I've never seen I don't know. I don't know, man. 
it, yeah, I mean, it, I agree. It seems like it would affect so many other things than just it's slithering, you know, all kind of things. Very interesting. Um, two people asked about where you ship. Do you ship to Canada and do you ship to New York? Not no. to Canada. Why not to Canada? Is it too expensive? Well, you just have to go through. Laws? Yeah. Which is just going to be way too expensive for snakes that I have. Does Canada um, have strict laws? Yeah, I mean, no matter what, going international, you're going to have stricter laws. But it's going to cost, you know, you probably got to, most people shipping to and from Canada, you want at least a few thousand dollars worth of stuff to make it worth it to do the paperwork and everything. Okay, and so, we're not selling a few thousand dollars no. worth of stuff at this point. No, but New York, yes. Yes, <laughs> of course, New York. Now, not this season, but next year slash season new york would be no problem yeah. and would you or will you go through uh sy ship your reptiles syr that's what i've done in the past that's probably what i would do is that the biggest shipping um company? it depends it seems like certain parts of the um different parts of the hobby like different things so i know a lot of reptile or a lot of leopard gecko keepers used to do reptile reptiles direct or whatever the other competitor is. Okay. But ball python people mostly did ship your reptiles and then just some other people. Just kind of what used. people got used to. Just right, yeah. For whatever reason, it seemed people were cool with a certain way of doing it depending on <laughs> what they bred. That makes no sense, but okay. It's not like they catered to one. They, they all do no, the same thing. Really. Yeah, so... I mean, personally, I always did um, ship your reptiles, but just because they made it really easy and they put, but reptiles to you sounds pretty good and it looks pretty good and it looks like they have good quality stuff. So I don't know. They made it easy in terms of like online, like the website and setting it up and everything. Yeah. Like things are very much laid out for you exactly what to do and how to ensure your package and make sure everything's cool and then ship out you know, all the materials that you need to label, you know, okay. so that you're in, um, what'd you call that? You're within the standard of sizes you know, and the amount, what you have to say on the, it le- the legality of it all, live reptile, that kind of stuff, okay. the species, everything. So you like don't have that. to worry about putting that together yourself and possibly missing something and then it can't ship and right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. So. Well, that's very helpful. But then as a seller, do you always have to wait for it? To get that before you can send it? What do you mean? What? To get all the stuff that they send you. Well, what you want is you want to have insulated boxes before. Already. Okay. You get that. So you get all the shipping supplies before and then you ship them out. But And then all you have to do is print out papers and stuff like that. And then Ship Your Reptiles does, um, they provide, uh, they have shipping packages that you can buy. So it will be like, ship a small animal it will give you a deli cup a small box insulated okay. box and then with all the stuff that you need to market and do everything like that so and even heat and cool you know a heat pack or a cool pack oh it sends it with for you yeah okay so it will literally give you everything i mean that's a little bit more expensive than finding sources to do it yourself but but it makes it easier you know it just yeah your time is valuable <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I mean, if you're shipping a lot, you just buy them in in bulk in bulk. Yeah. And it just makes it easy. And just, you have and a little bit cheaper. You have them stored and ready to go. Yeah. For when someone buys. That makes sense. 
but I mean that shipping stuff is expensive. Oh really? And then shipping's becoming really expensive. So yes, shipping alone is ridiculous. So like, I don't know, but it's I possible don't. for it to go back down, right? Or do you think yeah, it's a thing I that mean, will it's continuously a that be fluctuates just like everything else? Right. Your mom said spray pan works. What is she talking about? I think she means to put on the snakes, uh, the, the oil. Oh, okay. Instead of, like, I mean, isn't Pram just Also, it's oil? really, um, well, it's vegetable oil, but it's oh, really so confusing because some people call Prevenamite Pam because it's Prevent A Mite. Oh, but those are so two P-A-M different. P-A-M or then the Pam other like Pam. oil. So I just call it <laughs> Prevenamite because that's way too confusing if you right. call it Pam. Is it a spray because like Pam? Because you can use Pam to, yeah. Okay. They're both sprays. But the Pam is for the, Pam the snake. And the Prevenamite's for the tub, right? Yeah, so you can't put Prevenamite on the snake. Right, and you wouldn't put the Pam in the tub. Well, that would be disgusting. <laughs> okay, well, that's what I'm saying. It's only for the snake. But it yeah. could kill, if there was mites in the tub, it could kill, it could trap those too. Yeah, I guess, but you're going to have your snake just... Chilling in some no. oil, <laughs> you know. So this, or if you're keeping, depends on what substrate you're keeping too. Does the preventamite leave a residue in the tub, or not? Like can, you know, like Pam would. Yeah, it, it is a little bit oily. Okay, so. And then it is a little chemical. But you put the substrate on top of the right. preventamite, so they're not touching it, you know. And then also, if you have substrate, you got to make sure that you throw it all out immediately. Right. Because mites are all up in there. Definitely. Everywhere. So even, you may even consider putting them on paper towels for a certain amount of time. Oh, just to keep them Just out to of- make sure, because paper towels are white, so you're going to see... Every mites. time you have little blood. Also, spots. if you're doing it multiple times, you don't want to keep throwing out a lot the substrate. Like that is just so much to keep doing. Um, Dorco said, "I'm in the process of finding a good reptile vet in New York, and I know there's some in Long Island, but it's far. In case of emergency, can any vet do?" No, there's <laughs> a lot of people who may even be certified to do reptiles. But they really don't know much. You really need to find, and I'm sure there's a bunch of good vets in New York. So you should ask your friend Scott. Does he live in the city? I'm trying to. What? Isn't his name Scott the one who you sold your ball pythons no. to? What's his name? Steve. Steve. I got the S part. And he lives in Syracuse. That's nowhere oh, close. Okay. I knew he lived in the state of New York. I didn't know if he lived in the city too because doesn't Dorco right. live in the city yes okay so i'm sure there are i mean there's plenty of breeders down there in the city mm-hmm. so you may want to ask around or do some google searching or even you know maybe there's a new york uh city reptile facebook group and put it out on there and find a good one because um there's definitely good people out there i don't know who they are but but you wouldn't just want to go to any vet because they could mishandle or just no, all kind just, of different things. Yeah, there's just too many factors. So, I mean, there's plenty of exotic vets, but they may work more in birds, but they can do reptiles. But, mm-hmm. you know, how often have they seen a certain animal? Right. In comparison it doesn't happen to, like, they often. may be expecting a corn snake when it's something totally different. So, And even, like, we had an experience at the vet recently, which it seemed like they, you know, they were knowledgeable, at least when the vet tech talked to us you know he had snakes at his house he he knew it but still the way they handled our snake i felt like was not 
typical. I mean, I don't was, even and know. And it was just from a business standpoint, they were a shitty business. I mean, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they just weren't good on communications. They would go, you know, two days without anything. But it was kind of a weird situation where her oviduct came out, and then so they amputated the oviduct. But even when it was back in and they gave me her back, uh, a couple days later, it came out again. And it wasn't like, like originally it was like this, this time yeah, when it came it out, it was a long, of, huge piece and I'm that like, came I'm out of I'm not sure if that's even her oviduct anymore. If someone would have asked me, I would say she would have been dead in a day, a day. Or two. because so, so much came out. And that was after the vet had tried giving her stitches so and it weird. came out yeah. and the vet then supposedly amputated and took off her overduct. But there's just no, but, mo- but more of it came out. But right. And then that like broke off the weirdest yes, thing. It just fell off. Like, and then was and not attached then, to her body. And anymore. then she ate this week. And she passed it? I don't know yet. Not okay. Yet. Okay. But if that is her oviduct, then she should be fine. But I've never, I didn't think an oviduct yeah. was this long. I know. It doesn't make any sense. Yes. But that but shows you that's a vet who was knowledgeable no. about snakes, but did not handle the situation well, correctly Well, I don't know if all. they were even knowledgeable about the snakes. The vet tech owned snakes. He told us when he was talking to he us. monitors. Oh, well, and, and he's not the doctor anyway, but he can tell the doctor what he's to not the do. vet. I mean, but <laughs> not many people besides very experienced people know to do with these kind of situations. It's not everyday care. I mean, maybe they might be able to look at a snake and say, this is healthy. This is not healthy. But also they're coming from it from a different angle sometimes. So but what are some questions you want to ask a vet to like? give you a good feeling i guess like would you ask them do you guys see exa- you know yeah. snakes very all like are those questions you would ask them um i just want to answer like vulcan god six on instagram has been asking so he okay. just asked recommendations for starter reptiles so for me that's always a corn snake or a king snake him. but but you can always as long as you do the research you can keep almost any reptile if you're willing to spend enough money and enough time learning about them so there's all different kinds of good starter reptiles. But do a corn as, snake. <laughs> but a corn snake, rat snake, any type of North American colubrid will probably serve you a lot better to at least learn and get used to how to care for a snake. But, okay, go on with the vet. So, question, I don't know. What are questions you ask the vet to, like, make you feel comfortable about bringing your snake there? Um, I don't know. I, I, there's no, I think you got to do the legwork before you go in. Or sometimes when I bring in snakes that are not normal, mm-hmm. they don't know what it is. So that's always kind so of a bad a, sign. But then strike again, one. Th- you know, there's so many snakes out there that it's hard to know every one. True. True. But yeah, when they don't know, when I had a green tree python and he called it a tree boa or whatever, <laughs> that's not a very good sign. <laughs> it's not the best sign, but it all worked out because I told them what to do. Okay. But so you <laughs> you were his vet tech essentially. Well, I just said this is what we gotta do. Just put the stitches. I don't in think most would listen to what you say. But if you think it's a tree boa, I think you can use. <laughs> he, he knew. He recognized <laughs> that he was not <laughs> the knowledgeable one in that situation. Right, but 
Well, I would personally just ask the vet, you know, how many, like, have you, if you're bringing in a ball python, like, ask, have y'all ever had a ball python before, you know, or, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but of course I've had a ball python before. I don't know. It's different when you're bringing in Or if you're bringing in, stuff. like, a sand boa or but something also, like that. But it's also, do you see most of their job is my ball python isn't eating, what do I do? Like, people bring okay. it into the vet for that. Not which, more high level right issues okay. it's different when you're getting the reproduction and things that you know more it's really easy to keep a snake it's really easy to keep a snake alive it's really easy to just in general keep a snake healthy or at least what out outwardly appears as healthy mm-hmm. until you start breeding them that's when shit that's starts what- going wrong <laughs> it's easy to keep snakes but it can be hard to keep them alive if you're not when you're breeding them even if it has nothing to do with you, it just stuff. Ha- there's, there's more. It opens happen. them right. It opens them up to more complications when you're breeding them. Right. Is that true of males and females, or more? Most of the females, but you can still get males who prolapse hemipenes. You know, they mm-hmm. they take out their hemipene and they can't get it back in. And then you can also people, you know, try to get males up to size and feed them a lot. I mean, you could have complications for that as far as. Okay. How long they live? Maybe not an immediate response, but mm-hmm. maybe how long they live. So instead of twenty years, maybe you're looking be at shorter a smaller amount. Because you pump and then them also up. running them through a bunch, bunch of, of females. females. So yeah, I mean, there's best practices when breeding, and then there's also like there's things that you can avoid happening, and then there's things that just seem unavoidable. Just <laughs> like, like why did her oviduct come out? I don't know. Like maybe it was twisted. Maybe the vet didn't notice that it was twisted. Mm-hmm. But it's just something that happened. It was really just a random freak accident. <laughs> How old is she again? Um, I'm not sure. She's. I've had her for like four years or so. Okay. But and I've bred her twice. The first time was totally fine, and this year she was doing much better than before. And so maybe it was just too much. She she had well no because I gave her a year off in the wild. You know they'd be they'd oh, be producing pro- eggs right every away. Year yeah, just because of it, the environment would trigger them mm-hmm. to do that. So I'm definitely not overbreeding her. No, no. She you were saying she did better. Like she produced more eggs in right. this year, and so I'm saying maybe the. It's weird because, you know, she had more eggs reduced, but maybe that somehow was too much for her body, which you would think that which, you I would mean, never her produce more. Them. Right. You would yeah. think her body would never produce more than she can handle. But think about like with women get pregnant, have babies and there's something happens and they what? <laughs> like with adults, some well, I don't your body makes the baby much. and something happens. And you can still, the mom can still die, even though she's, you know, the mom's the one who made the baby. Right. Yeah. But I don't think there's a correlation in between. (laughs) I don't think it was that she made babies. I don't think. Okay. So then what do you think it was? Well, no. I mean, obviously, if she didn't breach, that wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I'm not breeding her too much. So what am I supposed to do? I don't know. And she had 20 fertile eggs with zero slugs when the year, two years ago, she had 16 eggs with like a couple slugs. So fertility was up. Everything seemed good. Mm -hmm. Then something happened. And she kept on good body weight. That's another thing. 
you know, after they have a clutch, do they have good body weight? Because they're probably, if they're corn snakes, they're going to double clutch. If they mm-hmm. have enough size, so they they're going to keep up that weight. double clutch no matter what. So, and she was fine through all that. So it doesn't make any, <laughs> I did everything I could to mitigate the risk, but sometimes it just happens. Have different <laughs> plans. So, uh, Joey said he used to have a snake that would not drink and was always flipping over. I've never seen that. Um, a snake flipping what over. What kind of snake was it? Um, I mean, most snakes, you're not going to see them drink. So even if, I mean, there's no snake. I've that seen them submerge themselves, but I've never really seen them drink. Right. You'll be hard pressed to find a snake drink unless, I mean, corn snakes, I can see them drink every once in a while. And some carpet pythons, I see them drink. But okay. for the, and then also some species are just not very, if it, it's a desert species. They're not going to get They're water not used to that water. <laughs> yeah, you may, or, oh, so it was a ball pipe. If it was flipping over, was it a spider gene? Because that's going to create neurological issues that are going to cause it to flip over. But, um, yeah, ball pythons, I've never, you see them drink like once in a blue moon. Just keep on putting fresh water in there. And, I mean, they're probably drinking, but not when you think they are. Also, snakes drink a lot less water or need a lot less water to survive than you would imagine as a human (laughs) they barely ever because if you think a snake in the wild that's barely even uh, depending on species corn snakes are obviously going to move around a lot and they may be near a body of water but ball pythons in termite mounds when do they drink so for the desert um snakes do you put very little in the water do you put a small water bowl I personally don't because I don't have anything that um, the only reason why I would do that is if they require very low humidity. So if they get too high humidity, they get in trouble. So so I'd want less water in there just to make the the environment less humid. But for the most part, I just keep everything the same because it's it's a non um, it's just a non issue. Just give them all the same amount of water. But no then if you go to hognose snakes, you may want to have a shorter um, water bowl just because they're not very agile. They're it's hard. It would be hard for them, hard to, for get them to, to go. It. Yeah. Okay. So you want them to be able to access it, whether or not they drink. But you know, have it there as a as an option, no matter. So it's what, possible to have too much water in the water bowl because it'll affect the humidity levels, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, so if you have a big bottle of water in something that is hot, even at room temperature in a confined space, you're going to get more humidity as the water evaporates. So, okay. So yeah. is there like a specific amount of water? You just fill up the <laughs> deli cup, though. It's not like there's a specific amount of water that's too much. You just look to see if it... We're talking about minute differences you're talking about if you want to keep a snake very low humidity then go out of your way and do that but okay but i don't know some people have said kenyan samba was you need to have small water bowls i'm not sure i've never had a kenyan samboa okay but, and then um he said it was a normal ball python so maybe so that what snake could, could just cause had flipping neurological over. issues so i mean you can still have a snake with nor- neurological that's not a issues. spider yeah. It can I just mean, happen once in a blue moon. Just right. interesting. Because that's definitely not normal. But the chance of it just being one out of the the whole clutch wouldn't an, 
another one have it too or no? I don't know. <laughs> There's no saying. There's no chance that hasn't, you know, with all the genetics we know and stuff. What We don't know genetics past what we can visually see for the most part. True. This but is you can going back see to the, the are they passing down? You, can you don't see know, the man. flipping over. That's yeah, but a, that may be a temperature spike uh, in, during incubation. So that's why that snake is wonky. Okay. It could be. That's why a lot of the like weird um, birth defects and stuff we see is mostly from incubation spikes and things like that. I mean, during development in the egg, that's where you see these problems all those different things while they're developing um it's very uh, it's a big thing for ball pythons to have smaller lower jaws i think we talked about that yeah Yeah. which are just going to be random spikes in temperature and incubation i mean just different things just temperature is a big big factor (laughs) it controls so much in snakes and has such a big incubating effect on you know how they turn out or what they turn out with or what they show or don't show temperature can make a huge difference yeah that's so weird then lily pad asks why do snakes have a slit on the bottom of their head i'm not confident in what she's alluding to i don't like here like like here is she talking about i'm not sure because i was thinking the bottom of the head if it's if it's like he oh if it's like the chin area then that's just because they have two separate jaws that aren't connected like ours so instead of being connected in the front, their jaw, you know, at the chin, they have two separate jaws that can move so they can swallow prey. Do they also have something at the bottom here? Because that's where you were thinking. No. no. Okay. <laughs> so so that might be what she's I'm asking. assuming I'm she sure. means and like just, the chin. You know, there's going to be extra skin there and there is like, you know, it kind of flaps over because obviously when they eat, they're going to stretch it out to, right. to accommodate having prey that's bigger than their head. So and some can obviously stretch more than others because they eat bigger, the size like ratio wise of prey. You know how we were talking about like the jungles, you know, in the wild and what they will eat. Like didn't you say like small kangaroos? I mean, for the most part, they can all get pretty impressive sizes of prey down. But but wouldn't they, their chin but area, the, jaw the, area like, need to stretch the, like, more? Head shape and stuff like that seems to be conducive to getting down bigger prey. I mean, you have the really? giant, so like vipers giant muscular head. Have the vipers obviously have a different head shape. Does that, if that affects what they can eat? No, I mean, that is you're holding venom sacs in there. Oh, so then what do you mean? Uh, what are you talking about? Different Meaning that shape? like they're v- like carpet pythons in general have a head structure that's very, very muscular towards the back. Okay. So obviously allowing more powerful jaws and, you know, to, to hold on to down. prey. And, uh-huh. Yeah. And then probably ultimately to move those jaws to get down big prey. But I don't know. That would be just. So it's only a carpet pythons that, that have all those guessing. muscles? No, at the bu- no. Oh. I mean, there's snakes with all different kinds of head structures, but I don't know if that's. Really why. Why, but. But I'm sure it helps. That, yeah, I mean, I don't it. think anyone knows if it helps or or that's why they have bigger muscular heads like that. But another that thing an that assumption. hasn't been researched. <laughs> that maybe we maybe can't someone knows out there about that. I'm but sure. I don't know some sort of head structure. But colubrids have those little little heads, and my colubrids tend to eat smaller meals more often in comparison to the pythons that have bigger meals more often. So, I mean, but. 
also correlation isn't always you know that's not always can be the determiner of just because the smaller head things eat smaller stuff the bigger head things eat that's just us kind of guessing and making assumptions but you could assume i guess um what are the this may be a dumb question but like other than just for identifying like what are the other reasons for like you know a more rounded head or a more uh squared off type like what are the different reasons for the different shapes um, of just the heads? different behaviors so as far as like burrowing okay so you're going to see obviously on different snakes that burrow you're going to see head structures that and, can make it easier to do it right okay so, so it's all connected to burrowing not i mean there's just different factors right you want to go through every little thing you gotta go species by species this snake looks like this because of that this that's what i want to like know yes that. yeah but i mean you could give a specific example and then i may say that might be why i don't know 100 percent, but when you hear these things that oh this is why they do that you know this is why they exhibit this behavior mm-hmm you're still drawing conclusions and then so there'd be no way to ever figure out exactly why we're just making assumptions of what we've observed right so you're not a snake so (laughs) i know so like a black-headed python some people say its head is black to absorb sunlight and then people say also they seem to hide in shadowy like outcrops and stuff so their head blends in so what is it? Is it okay. to is it to absorb more sunshine because it's black, so they can heat up? They just poke their head out and heat up, mm-hmm. or is it to keep camouflage under shadows? We'll never know. I don't know, but people say both. So like, we're just drawing conclusions Which on what we is see. All you can ever do. That's all you can ever do. But who knows the root actual of reason everything. of why they're black? Right. Interesting. And then you assume that everything that's black is trying to absorb Get more, more light. Heat. Right. Right. But is that necessarily true when there's black snakes that live in very, but very hot climates and they don't need to. That, right. That live in cold climates. There's always if going they're to in be, a hot area. They don't really need that. You know, they're already well, th- there's always going to be exceptions to every rule that you make. So because <sighs> nature doesn't follow rules. We're just a bunch of humans trying to put rules and categorize and name things in nature. So. I mean, none of it's bad. It's just humans trying to to categorize But we need some sort of at least attempt at categorizing. can't just be a bunch of... I mean, yeah, that's all a science, right? Trying to figure out answers to questions. But usually answers to questions bring up more questions. So you're never (laughs) going to end up with questions. You know, you're never going to... Get to a final point in the end because it's just going to bring up more. Always. But uh, Lilypad said, are venomous snakes immune to their venom? or to Yeah, or to other snakes' venom. So, yes, they are immune to their venom. If you've seen a bunch of snakes while feeding will bite themselves by accident, and venomous snakes will bite themselves too. yeah, by they accident. Their venom. So, and then also keep in mind, like a king snake, um, a lot of their prey is going to be other snakes. And then in their range where they're found a lot of them are eating venomous snakes so it seems that snakes also especially king snakes are going to be immune to the snake's venom even if it's the other even if it's the other type you know the you know the venom is either gonna there's like the 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 two Uh, different types of the way so neurotoxic and hemotoxic so yeah 
it doesn't seem to matter. Then there's mixes of both. And oh, I've never seen that. What one has mix as a mix? So the Mojaves, they think that, and again, this is a correlation. Just a guess. <laughs> so there's a guess. So they're having ground squirrels that are envenomated by Maho- Mojave. Mojave rattlesnakes mm-hmm. and saying that the, the squirrels are becoming um, Oops. <laughs> immunized Shit. to... Or immune to um, <laughs> what word did you just say? I don't know say? why I use that. Immunized. Immune, <laughs> okay. They're becoming immune to the venom of um of the rattlesnake. So they're saying that they're actually evolving their venom in order to take down their prey, which is gonna be the ground squirrel. And the mm-hmm. ground squirrel is biologically changing to somehow become immune to the Mojave venom. Isn't that like how people, what people are trying to do when they self-envenomate themselves? Right, but that's a different story because this is happening generally in throughout generations of ground squirrels. You're not slowly, okay. the ground squirrels aren't slowly being bit and say, oh, just give me a little bit this time. And then <laughs> sorry, it's okay. It's over time. So it's not, not within one squirrel. It's changing. It's, it's over time. The squirrels that live are the ones who are more fit to. To be, to, to fight against it. To fight against mm-hmm. the Mojave mm-hmm. rattlesnake. So, and then that's also, like I said, a correlation that doesn't seem to make too much sense because how is that happening but they're just building up but, the, but they're no building up the how. immunity yeah but how they're not self immune like, like we build up an immunity to like when we get vaccine yeah yeah but they're not getting the vaccine oh they're getting the venom meaning but isn't being, the vaccine the, the ones that pass on <laughs> the ones that are able to breed are the ones that weren't killed right but, but what they about the ones who haven't encountered the rattlesnake at all but they, the ones you bred that got the venom, yeah, that's like when we get the vaccine, it's a little bit yes, of the but disease. Dead. Wait. So how did any of them survive? In the first place. Right. So what kind of spontaneous uh, genetic mutation? Like something had to happen up? like right then to be able to survive. Well, and it pass could be a weird genetic mutation to where Th- they're immune right. off the bat. But how does what's how special do they get about so that lucky? one squirrel? Right, that one or two squirrels who got lucky to survive it. Well, but and then you're seeing them, you know, the Mojave toxin changing from from most of those pit vipers are going to be hemotoxic. You know, most of the rattlesnakes, I think, all the rattlesnakes besides the besides the Mojave is going to be hemotoxic. So is it changing since it's the prey changing is changing to be both? And neurotoxic. So neurotoxic is usually found in a lapid, so which is going to be like cobras. Okay, you're using so much vocabulary that my brain can't process that and then, fast. <laughs> and then, as a generality, most pit vipers are going to have hemotoxins. Okay. So it's all of a sudden the Mojave has a little bit of both. So that it can kill a ground wider. Squirrel. That's what they think. Like or even those ground be more effective, right, general, in yeah. the killing of the prey. Of anything. Which would make, right, of anything, because, you know, to make it so that you have double defense or double, I guess, armory to kill whatever you're doing to have Yeah, you have better ammo, yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. When do they start doing these? So they started, um, well, they noticed in snake bites of people that 
Mojave Crofab, which you usually use for most <sighs> rattlesnake bites. But it's going to be the anti-venom that's used okay. when you're when you're bitten by um, most crotalus. So crotalus is going to be the genus of rattlesnakes. English, please. So most of the crotalus genus, you're going to use crofab in order to um, so counter fight it the off. bite. Yes. Okay. So crofab's not working for the Mojave, the Mojave because they so have both. Gonna, Right, so you need to have a different crofab and could you just use crofab and whatever they I use? I don't for remember. The I think there may be a total separate um, product for the Mojave for toxin, okay. but I'm not 100% sure, so I don't really know. There is a documentary, I think, somewhere on Discovery about um, the Venom Doctor or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I forget what his name, Sean something in, in uh, like Southern California about him treating snake bites and then and then in southern california there's mojave rattlesnakes mm -hmm. so so he had like he direct access to, to this stuff right so he's the foremost expert on treating snake bites there so he's the one who's you know treating these mojave bites right. and stuff like that so yeah it's interesting. interesting but their venom's changing for no apparent reason we can't, right? we can't figure and out like why. how the fuck do they decide that I, uh, what is making that happen? Mm -hmm. Just have just they tried the it on anything live, else other like, than squirrels? Well, th whatever they eat in the wild, but that's what they observed is them versus the squirrels. So. Okay, but who knows how long this has been going on? How I long mean, those squirrel, the one or whatever special squirrels that have the what we're assuming is a mutation, yeah, to fight off the venom, and why have no humans? Well, we've never tried it. Never well, we I don't think it's that advantage advantageous for us to be immune to venom because um so little of us uh, we have so bit. many factors that will kill us to when the ground squirrel may be you know a hawk a snake and then maybe there's not too many you know other, other things that can other kill threats, it so but we have we make our own threats also yeah i mean we're we are <laughs> way out of the realm of natural selection so we are way past um being killed by being in the food chain and <laughs> shit we pretty much do our own thing we, right we, we make our own <laughs> we just kill ourselves because we we're ourselves. unhappy and stuff but oh no what? no that's not well where no every every vice every vice that exists is because humans aren't yeah but there's other things like car accidents all that no stuff. Yeah, we're that's... all killing ourselves okay when you said kill ourselves, well, we I thought you meant drink made... and yeah. Do drugs okay, and do okay. <laughs> we're going so us. far off. Um, Lilypad asked, "What's the difference between a bow and a python?" Um, if you want to be really, really general and lump them both up real quick, it's going to be that boas are viviparous, which is going to be they lay live young, or and pythons, yeah, pythons lay, eggs. lay eggs. That's a very Oviparous. general. Very Separation. general because maybe there's exceptions. I can't think of any. And for the most part, also generality, you're going to have pythons are going to be mostly in hmm. the good crack. Always a good voice crack. Are going to be more in the um, old world and boas are going to be more in the new world. But there's also there's exceptions, there's exceptions for that. To that. So in North America, we have rubber boas <laughs> and all that other stuff that... Also, it goes back to scientists wanting to lump everything in categories. So mm -hmm. 
So we want everything to have a name and have a place. Which makes sense. But you look at some things and it's like, these things are definitely not related, but also it changes, are. which but is weird. DNA, you know, as far as like the lumpings and the categories, they change over always time. Always changing. But I mean, now we have DNA sequencing. So there's different, there are standards, you know, so this is the amount of variance that is seen in the genus. This is the amount of variance that's seen in a species. This is the amount of variance. But then we get to like, the family of colubrids mm-hmm. and then it's everything's a fucking colubrid <laughs> it's why a hog nose with a rooster scale that's upturned and has rear fangs is the same as a corn snake, snake or any has rat neither snake. of those things neither they don't look anything alike mm-hmm. there's no similarities really to them they're totally different size structure so everything they shouldn't both but be considered they're in this, colubrids. the same the same family and you know pythons you look at them and they all seem related right mm. boas you can Ish. probably for the most part say that that's a boa but mm-hmm. colubrids i couldn't fucking tell you and then you <laughs> get to and then you get to some of the lapids in australia and they look like our colubrids here remind me what a lapid means again so it's going to be a venomous it's a venomous family of snakes, so there's going to be a lapids and pit vipers. Well, that's super general, just saying they're venomous. Right, but that is the distinct difference between the lapids and then some of the... But we have rear fang venomous colubrids here mm-hmm. and a lot, a whole lot in New Guinea and in, you know, Asia. Mm-hmm. So why aren't those why with aren't, the alapids? They're just as close to alapids as they may be so a other corn colubrids? snake. Okay. So it's where do we draw this line and why do we draw this line and have we just lumped everything together because it's convenient? Because it gets too much. Yeah. So should there should there be different families for rear fang venomous uh, things? I think, yeah. You can't have something that's rear fanged and not. Roof, like you can't have them in the same family. Like rear fanged is a big distinction to me. That yeah. really, you know, it's not just like having... You know, I don't know, an eye that looks different or whatever. Like rear fangs are, I feel like it's a huge distinction. You couldn't put something that's rear fanged, something that's not in the same family. And then there's also someone like Brian Fry who thinks that probably every snake is venomous. So just what? just like every spider's venomous, but it depends on delivery systems and how to use it. He thinks that, that that maybe every snake is venomous and certainly a garter snake is venomous, but there's no there's no proper delivery system in order to make them dangerous to us. So they have venom in themselves, but they can't get it out. And I, th- I think they have rear fangs. I'm not 100 percent sure. I forget exactly what he said about that, but I think they have rear fangs technically. So then why so. wouldn't they be able? I'm not sure. But he's the one who found out that Komodo dragons have venom instead of bacteria. Inside you know, of them. But they don't have, they don't but have like, sacs. Yeah, yeah, but they do. They they do have venom sacs. But if a Komodo dragon bites you, you're not going to get venom in you. Yes, you will, and you'll die. From oh. <laughs> yeah, but they thought that it was some bacteria that killed you from infection over, you know a few days or uh-huh, something like that's uh-huh. how they were killing their prey 
Well, doesn't that conveniently sound a lot like venom, venom. to where venom's coursing through your body? Mm-hmm. So, it but turns it just out seems crazy to me to think that all snakes are venomous. But it's certainly possible. But when we look at a dead snake, wouldn't we see that? Like we looked at many, you know, many, right. many of like, dead snakes. Think, you would see that, especially you if you're looking at somewhere. something like a ball python. But you'd be able to dissect it and see it somewhere, just because the delivery system isn't there. You'd still be able to see the venom when you dissect it, wouldn't you? Well, I'm just taking I'm just taking the opinion of a person who has studied venom more than anyone else in the world. <laughs> so way more knowledgeable well than, as, than me. Yeah, sitting like here. I don't I don't have to explain <laughs> his point. <laughs> so Okay, but question. So you said all spiders are venom- venomous, which I did not know. So when you like dissect a spy every single I don't spider, know, can- man. But yeah, I guess that's what they that's what science concluded, right? Let's go dissect they some certainly spiders. No, <laughs> no, but and they're certainly much smaller, so it must be much harder to, to find it. that out, but you know how they say like daddy long legs are the most venomous, but they don't have any way to bite you. I don't know if that's true, but I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, but I think um But aren't daddy long legs good for like you're not supposed to kill yeah, them? They eat shit. Then mm-hmm. everything eats shit, right? So, I don't know. Everything kills uh, other things that you don't like. <laughs> everything that you don't like kills things that you don't like. Because everything eats okay. itself. I want to know what the rest of the world thinks about this. About what? The venom About thing? every snake being venomous. We have eight people watching. Oh, that was really it's loud. Certainly, we have eight people watching. What do y'all possible. think? Do you think it's possible that every... I don't think... I think you could... That's bullshit. I think you could say it's certainly possible for every all squirrels to be venomous and they can't... Like, you can't just Maybe say that. Are. You That's that's a, such a yeah, bullshit line to just say it's possible going, for all. It's possible for believe, everything. It's possible for fucking right. leprechauns to but exist. But I think he wants to go snake by snake and find it in all these snakes. I'd be very interested. He should do that. Why has he not done it yet? Um, there's there's 4,000 species of snakes. How many has he done in on? I don't know. He's too busy. Like, he's been bit a bunch of times and <laughs> almost died. So. So, but you could do it on he's all dead snakes. The research. You can do it on all dead no, snakes. Oh, yeah, for sure. All I'm saying is that I trust his opinion more than me. Yours or my Cut. own. But, I mean, if that's what he he's trying to prove, then give him a chance to try to prove well, it. Well, he shouldn't say it before he proves it. I guess that's his hypothesis. Right. So you got to have some question or thing that you want to prove in order to do this whole science thing, right? But like I said, he's the number one venom venom human. I wonder being. what the uh what the guy in in California thinks. Um the venom doctor in California. I wonder I what know. he thinks cuz he would be <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> cuz that's possible. <laughs> um I would feel like he would he would also have an equally valid judgment on that hypothesis. Yeah. And that's also a good point. Lily Pad said what is the definition of venom? So, I guess venom would be something that could be injected that needs to be injected into your body to kill you. <laughs> Well, not to kill you, to, but to, to create solve. some type of reaction. I'm not yes. sure what that would be. But you can't, you can't just say some type of reaction because injecting steroids into your body forms a reaction and steroids aren't venom. No, but they do create a response in the body, right? That yeah. may, just like so many other things, maybe it's your reaction to that. 
that makes the body stronger because it's something like alcohol. You're poisoning yourself. You know, it's poison. That's why you feel weird. So <laughs> it's changing your body, and it's uh, technically poison, I guess. But but uh, venom, obviously, you but, need to have an injection in your bloodstream in order to feel the effects of it. But but is it is is a factor of venom like does all snake venom affect everyone who's not like every being in this earth who's not you know um who can't what's the word i'm trying to think of who's not uh what's the word when you can't be affected by something immune yes every animal in the world who's not immune to venom do they all react to it the same to snake venom snake venom everything reacts to everything different every human reacts to venom differently I thought there's only the two ways that they react. Right, to but the degree that that happens, and but it's still generally based that anaphylactic shock can still happen in you know whoever. So, but snake like snake venom in other animals is show differently than it is in humans. Well, if you're putting it, it depends on dosage and and not everything okay. studied and okay. different animals. I mean, they do studies of the lethal dose. To kill 50% mm-hmm. of the population, which is done in mice. But see, to me, that makes it hard to make a definition of venom if it affects different animals. <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying it just has an effect, right? A negative impact. on To whatever. some degree, to whatever well, what degree. What does that mean? There's definitely a definition to it. I sure as hell don't know it, though. Um, Lilypad said maybe he considers some things venom instead of bacteria. Well, like bacteria would be like they thought in the Komodo dragon. Mm-hmm. So um, I th- the distinction there is that they have it, you know, bacteria would be something that's extrinsic to the situation. It would be like an outside source. Like it wouldn't be like the Komodo dragon stores bacteria in its chin. It's like it catches something and passes it on to you. Is that bacteria? Like it catches something, you know. (laughs) Well, there's bacteria everywhere, right? And if they happen to live inside the Komodo dragon, that's much different than storing storing it up. They they wouldn't be born with stored bacteria in there. It just got it over life and it can. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're way over our head on this thing. (laughs) Oh, we need to learn more about venom. We need to... Get we can buy Brian Fry's book. Okay, you can uh, read Venom that. Venom and its fun. toxins. It's a well, it's like a textbook. It's like a college textbook. So oh, he writes s- textbooks. God damn it, <laughs> he's fucking. <laughs> he knows his he shit. He must know something. I'm gonna I, I want to ask our Instagram followers what they think on this. On what Venom? Can every do they think every single oh Lilypad got the definition? A toxic substance produced by some animals, such as snakes, scorpions, or bees, that is injected into prey or an enemy, chiefly by biting or stinging, and has an injurious or lethal effect. So basically, it just has a negative effect. But it's it's interesting that it says by oh chiefly by biting so it, or stinging so it can well it needs to be injected. That's the main part. Mm-hmm. It means that a poison, obviously, you can just swallow and die. Mm-hmm. Or it affects you by swallowing. Venom needs to be injected into your bloodstream. And the only two ways it could be injected is by biting or stinging. Right. Okay. So. Um. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's the. But it's more it's that doesn't that doesn't go into for. like body of how you make the <laughs> you know what I mean how you make 
the or so-called what, venom or what, or what effect or what it looks like you know the liquid like what the liquid um you know well, what I'm venom is, is a, made up of different proteins so like like brian fry is currently taking a lot of the venoms and finding out which proteins make these venoms okay so so maybe i believe it happened in copperhead venom they said this is the protein that causes um tissue destruction in humans right so and this protein actually we can get this to destruct cancer cells but not affect the whole rest of the body. So they said this protein can actually well, be used in a positive to, way. In a positive way to treat breast cancer Whoa. instead of, you know, the necrosis and everything that's but going to happen. Mm-hmm. They can isolate it just to those cancer cells. To different proteins that may be advantageous to use in medicine. So venom's always gonna be a series of proteins. So it could venom could be a good thing one day if we find Well it is a good thing. It's already used um I think there's some type of like blood pressure medication or something that uses the property of venom that because some of the hemotoxins will make you bleed out and then also thin your blood out. And you need you know. blood. Some people need blood thinners. So blood thinners. I believe there's a kind of blood thinner that's been taken from like water moxin venom or, you know, some um, pit vipers venom to help and aid in, you know, thinning the blood or else, you know, they're not injecting venom, but they're taking that protein and maybe synthesizing that and making it into. So there's maybe a lot of different ways we could use venom and, you know, use it. Maybe if all snakes are venomous, it's a good thing, but it's like, I just don't know how we wouldn't be able to see it. I don't know. I'm hungry. In my head, venom is a liquid thing. We're going to have to buy the book. But it's a do you understand what I'm saying? In my, but it's a li- in my head, venom is yes. a liquid thing. If it's right. injected, it's a liquid thing. So right. why, when you cut open a <laughs> every single snake, would you not see venom in there somewhere? I don't know, man. That makes if every snake is venomous. In my head, you would have to see it. Obviously, there's a reason why one and one doesn't equal two. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. But if we did research, we would know. But we don't really do research. Do it's we? above my pay grade. Um, but thanks everyone. I should buy that oh. book. Should buy that book. <laughs> everyone else should buy that book. It's like what's it called just again? Just like all other textbooks, it's like a so million big. dollars. Oh, and uh, yeah, what's it's, it called uh, again? Venom and its toxins by Venom Brian and Greg its Fry. toxins by Brian Greg Fry. So someone can gift it to us. <laughs> um, please visit our Patreon page. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> to send Those us a Venom ones. book. A Venom book. So that we don't Maybe seem we can get, as like, stupid. Kindle version for cheap. I don't know, or ebook. I can't do Kindle. I need like the actual page. Plus, there's like good pictures and stuff. And okay, need grandpa. a full tablet experience if that would be the okay. case. Okay, okay, let's let's end this. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. Yes, thank you everyone for watching. Great conversations about <laughs> Venom. You know what? The recap. They already listened to it. <laughs> well, what you're supposed to say at the end is. Please visit us at Port City Pythons on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, website, portcitypythons.com. But I'd rather you go. But it's been updated. It's been updated, but I'd still rather you like hang out with us on Instagram. (laughs) Hang out with us. (laughs) Or like listen to it live on Uh, YouTube. But the website has been updated. That's an important thing to say. And um, hit me up for all my available animals, which is zero. And we still have eggs that haven't hatched. And I probably won't even sell those. 
So. <laughs> so yeah. Thanks anyway. Okay. okay. Thanks for listening. Catch you next Tell week. Tell your friends. <laughs> Tell your friend one friend.